You're listening to the Medic Materials Podcast, hosted by Mike Turek, a paramedic and educator with over 10 years' experience. Every month we review actual EMS calls with the help of current practicing EMS providers, bringing educational opportunities directly to the listener. Portions of the calls have been altered to protect the privacy and identity of those involved. Hello and welcome everybody to the October version of Medic Materials Podcast. I am joined, as always, with paramedic Gerard, and we have a very special new guest this month. I have been, I guess, propositioning your husband to have you join us for like two months now. Finally, we're here. Emily. Everybody has their price. Yeah, everyone has their price. And today it was a green dragon and a a question. I'm a simple woman. Uh, So Emily, nurse and EMT, why you're not a paramedic, I still don't know. But you're as smart as every paramedic out there. So um, Every it should, paramedic needs a good EMT. I don't believe that. that. <laughs> it, it is true, but I don't believe it in her case because I could just go, Hey, Emily, what's wrong with this guy? I have no freaking idea. And she's like, well, it's this. And I'm like, but I don't even understand what you just said. What Can you that? just do it? <laughs> um, but we are excited to have her with us. So. We're going to jump into the call review first because it's a lengthy one, and this is the first one that we've actually uh, had stuff go wrong in, so I'm intrigued to see both of your perspectives on this. So to to paint the picture, you have a um, ALIS uh, agency, transporting agency. Their district is uh, one of the uh, coolest districts because it's got an urban section it has a suburban section and then it has a distinctly rural you know section so they cover all you know all bases this is a, a paramedic and an EMT uh, in the in the transport truck and they were called for difficulty breathing of a 80 uh, something year old female to one of the uh, adult living facilities in the district they arrive on scene. And um, she is sitting in her wheelchair in a room. There's a uh, aide or nurse, facility worker, standing there with paperwork. They give a, a little blurb, which is pretty much she went out with the family um, throughout the day, brought her oxygen tank because she's on oxygen all the time. And she came back, was very lethargic, had, you know, um, shortness of breath, you know, couldn't really get air in or out and family got worried. So they decided to call, call 911. Um, you find her with oxygen on. However, it is not a mask. It's not a simple mask. It's not a, you know, a non-rebreather mask. It is nasal cannula turned up to 25. Wow. <laughs> um, These weren't fire medics, were they? No, no, that's no. a nursing home. Th- this is, this is, yeah, this right, is, this is, no, it is a nursing home. Um, not assisted living, but yes. So typically with this, with any facility we go in, if they're on oxygen, at least they put them on like a simple mask. Not, or, you know, or non-rebreather at four liters, right? Because right, that yeah. that's going to even inflate the bag. But no, this was... Let's just blow their nose off. They don't need a nose. They're having trouble breathing anyway. What, what does a nose work? Right. 
Right. You know? So she's slumped in the chair. She's, um, you know, she's not responsive. Um, you know, eyes don't really open. You can't really get a good response out of her. You could, you could put her on the, you know, uh, painful stimuli to unresponsive, uh, you know, avpu scale. Mm-hmm. So at this point, what are you guys looking at? What What do you first want to do with her? Um, for me, I, I'd like to get. Uh, well, well first, I'd like to for, fix the oxygen I was say, issue. First, I'm gonna go. We're gonna turn it down a little bit. Okay. Just Just a smidge. Okay. Just Just scotch. Just a smidge. Okay. Right. So I have my EMT with me. So I'm gonna send my EMT to get me some baseline vitals. Okay. And while that, I want to get a nice detailed history. What am I looking at? What kind of history does this patient have? Okay, so um, we, the paramedic and the EMT fix the oxygen issue. Okay. They take the nasal cannula away. Okay. Non-rebreather goes on. Okay. In that time period, they put a sat on, an oxygen sat probe mm-hmm. to get a room air sat. Okay, cool. It is 37. How cold are her hands? Clammy, but not cold. Probably not. Good waveform. Good waveform. Oh, really? Okay. Mm Mm-hmm. Yep. Okay. So, So, do we believe it? Why is she on the oxygen normally? What kind of history does she have? So, going back to both, you want... She's a copd ear. She's also a CHFer. She's got some cardiac history thrown in there with the heart failure. Some other cardiac history that doesn't really need to be stated. Um, on a slew of medications, Lasix, um, you know, all of the, the all of the usual subject subjects for you know heart failure and uh, COPD. So your breathing treatments, your oxygen is on twenty four seven at four liters. And that's pretty much what, those are the big ones that we need to know. Have you tried the oxygen probe in any other spot to confirm that that's accurate? So both hands were tried, but no, like, it, we, you know, <coughs> there was no going to the ear, going okay. to the forehead with a baby probe or anything right. like that. But it you was had just good waveform. Finger, finger, good waveform, but it read 37. So would you guys believe it? At this point, I would, I would have to, just, mm-hmm. absolutely, just because until proven otherwise, I, I yeah, I'm just it's go it's hard it not now. to, especially yeah, for absolutely. me. I'm thinking if I'm this person, I kind of have to, yeah. right? There's no proof otherwise. Right. Their hands aren't ice cold, and she's already altered, so you can already assume that she's hypo. Not assume, but you can, you know, if she's altered, then it's right. Like so uh, visible. Looks is cyanosis in the hands. They're clammy cyanosis okay. in the hands, as well as cyanosis in the mouth. Um, okay. so, you know, so, you so there's it. visible yeah. cyanosis. Okay. You so it. you could believe it, mm-hmm. right? right. Um, so we're going with a SATA 37. The um, the other vital signs you get a NIBP uh, blood pressure because of course this paramedic chooses not to waste time on a manual. So. You're smiling. <laughs> that was the whole thing of last podcast. Uh, <laughs> Always take a manual. That, yeah. That's that's 
first clue number one. Bad habits. So yeah, bad habits die hard, right? Some paramount and and the thing that you guys have to remember is this is a something else layer to put on top of this is this is a brand new paramedic, fresh out of school, fresh out of internship, three months on the road. Okay, so what about your EMT? Ten year veteran. Okay, so it's not and and these two have worked together before. So before the paramedic was a paramedic, they worked together okay. at that same agency. So okay. they're familiar with each other, right. how each other works. Um, BP comes back uh, 60 over 30 and uh, pulses in the 140s uh, with the with the probe. Um you put her on the monitor, it's 140 sinus tech. Okay. What are you guys, what are you thinking now? You got a history, at least her medical history. What else do we want to know or what are you guys thinking? What was BP again? 60 over 30. 60 over 30. Uh, lung sounds right away. So lung sounds, you get uh, wet um, up top, rails up top in uh, both apices. And you get absolutely nothing in bilateral basis. Does she have any respiratory drive? She is breathing maybe 10 to 12 at this point. They are extremely shallow. Um, She is hunched over, will not open her eyes. Looks like she is visibly struggling. Oh, well... You already know what I'm thinking first thing off the rip. And, of course, there are other steps to go before we get there. Um, but I, I still love how you're smiling. <laughs> <laughs> like you and I have done something like this before. Yeah, it's, it's, it's oddly familiar. I mean, it, not, it wasn't this particular call. We had another call. It was uh, where he came to back me up. and uh, Or no, it was like you, you, you were... I showed up to back you up. You showed up. up to back me up, right? And... Uh, and, uh, one RSI later. Yeah, one RSI later. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, but no, it was it was a case where you know I'm like pounding my fist RSI RSI RSI. Well, no, we're not there yet. And then we had a few more steps to go just to stay within protocol. Uh, but yeah, it all roads led to RSI on that one. But in this one, yeah, my my head's already going. Hmm, I want to take the airway and keep it for myself, please. Thank you very much. Okay. Uh, but before we get there. Um, you know, we're still in the house. We haven't even considered extrication or anything like that. We have an underbreather going. Uh, I want to get some atrovent in there and try and dry that up. Okay. Uh, the epitropium. And uh, let's get some doing up going. And then we'll extricate and go down the path. Okay. Emily, what's your thoughts? I also want to get some access. 60 oh, and 40, I'm not quite sure how long she's going to hold that for. Okay. Especially absolutely. with the pulse rate in the 140, so. Yeah, absolutely. Okay. Anything uh, for the story that you guys want to know? Is the, is is going out with the family, this, that, the thing? Yeah, what did they do? They went out, hung out all day, went to the park, came back. When was she last seen normal? Good one. So uh, about an hour prior to arriving back at the facility, she was normal. And does the family have, like, what were they doing in that hour? Driving her back. She and was she in the just talk. all of a sudden went All of a sudden she started getting more and more lethargic. Then they couldn't wake her up. What did, uh, so first I want to know, what did, what did they have to eat? Is it anything that she's never had before? 
all the food was normal. Um, nothing was, you know, out of the ordinary. No, no signs of like allergic reaction, anaphylaxis, anything like that. That would, you know, tank a pressure. Was she complaining of anything to them before? Nope. Nope. Does the family know if this has happened? Anything like this has happened to her before? Never happened before. She on a blood thinner? She was on blood thinners. Yep. No trauma, no falls, no nothing happened, you know, while they were out and about. Um, she normally sedentary. She is. Right. Yep. Okay. Moves around in the wheelchair, type of thing. But nothing, you know. Didn't get on a plane the day before, and you know, tossed a clot or something like that. A red flag for me is that she's on thinners, and she had a sudden onset of this change in mental status, with not really anything provoking it. Mm-hmm. So I'm going to keep that in the back of my mind. Yeah. Okay. So one of the things that this uh, paramedic chose to look at was how was she oxygenating while she went out? Not oxygenating as in like perfusing cells, but was her tank filled? Filled. Was it one of the ones that, you know, sucks regular air and then concentrates it down to what she needs? Right. Right. Is it a tank or a concentrator? Right. It was found out that she was out and about for about six hours with an empty tank that no one oh, noticed. That's great. Okay. 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 So there, there is your maybe she's been hypoxic for, for six, six hours. hours right. right now we're at end stage hypoxia here. Now looking back at thirty seven percent on twenty five liters. Probably likely. Yeah. Probably accurate. Yeah. Right. So this paramedic actually does decide to go down the uh, COPD um, route and goes, okay, I'm going to get, you know, some Dex. I'm going to get some Atrovent. I'm going to get some Albuterol and we're going to neb that in. The other thing this paramedic also did was he stepped out into the hall radioed for a second medic crew to come from the building. The building is about 12 minutes away for specifically the possibility of an RSI because this paramedic looks at this lady and goes, yes, there's steps to do before, but RSI is the end game. Yeah. Okay. 12 lead was good. 12 lead at that point was sinus tac. Okay. So, you know, no cardiac event, no cardiac event that you could see. Nope. All right. At that point, Comes back in with the stuff for the nebulizer. And what do you think? What do you think she does at this point? Stops breathing. Stops breathing. Stops breathing. <laughs> yeah. Okay. But she had no signs of, of struggling to breathe. No turgor. No, it I mean, was. Her, uh, no, she wasn't tugging or anything like that. Just, she, she, no, completely listless. Yeah. Um, you know, very shallow. Very shallow respiration. She mm-hmm. is tired. She's tired. She's pooping out. Yeah. She's pooped. Right. Yeah. It is. I'm. I'm done. Body's done. We're too tired. Yeah. Smoke them if you got them at this point in time. So, right now she stops breathing. She still has a pulse. Awesome. Cool. At this point, what do you guys do? EMT, secure the airway and start bagging. Absolutely. As an EMT, I'm going to take that airway, secure it, put an OPA, NPA, whatever 
your preferences, whatever you're going to go with and take over respirations. Okay. In what position? Sitting up. Where is she right now? Have she's we tried seated, to get her? She's is she seated on the in a wheelchair. Oh, I would probably move her to the stretcher and then put it in there. Okay. I'd get her out quick. I'm just thinking, I mean, if I'm not ready to move somebody, I'm not just going to, you know, hey, shit, let's throw them over there. Um, go ahead and start breathing for her because that's most important. Take, the, you know, secure the airway, start breathing, and then we're going to get ready to move her. And then, because eventually we're all going to end up in the ambulance. Um, but I think as she is right now, just, just start and start getting some oxygen in there. Um, okay. At least get that neb going, going through the BVM. So do you think this is with, with how she presented lung sounds, right? We, we said she had absent lung sounds in, in bilateral bases with rails and some wheezing in the apices. Do we think that's more COPD or CHF at this, I mean, or is it a combination of both? Yeah, that's hard to say. It's really hard yeah, to say. It is. I Especially mean, if she's shallow breathing, you're, right? You're not going to have it in the breathing. bases anyways. You're not going to hear that. Right. You're not going to hear a lot. Right. And at this point, even if it was in New York State where we practice, you can do CPAP for COPD mm-hmm. and CHF. But, but you couldn't do CPAP for her. But you couldn't do CPAP for her because well, of her mental status. mental status. And the fact that her blood pressure is already in the tank. Now we're just going to make it more in the tank. Correct. So there's why we never did CPAP on this call. Yeah. So bagging, I think, is where See, they like should have went. Probably initially. I think they yeah. should have done it initially. Yeah. Screw the... You know, non screw the non rebreather, screw the you know the the neb. Let's start bagging her, then give her the neb through the BBM. That it, that's it, kind it of probably, where I'm thinking. So looking it, on the outside, it, right? In hindsight, you know that is the to me that would be the more prudent way to go. But without that history, without it, it takes time to get this information. Oh, she's been. You know, her, her D-tank ran out four hours ago. But even if you take the yeah. information away from it, you're breathing at, what, between 8 and 10 a minute, <laughs> 10 and 12 a minute, but you right. have a sat of 37. So mm-hmm. do you really, you, with, your breaths are it, not with doing With a significant it, right. altered mental That's, status. Right, so I think I would. That probably is right, yeah. And, and looking at it, you right know, looking at it at the outside table, we can sit there and go, well, this is how it should have gone. Absolutely. Right. Mm-hmm. And that's why we do the call reviews because we can sit there and go, "This hey, future providers, if you see this, think this way." Hindsight's twenty twenty, right? Hindsight's twenty twenty, and and we've all made the mistakes where we've done a neb first, and right. then we're like, "Shit, I'm caught with my pants." Well, how many now. times you go to a nursing home and they forget to put them back on the oxygen, so now they're right. sats in the sixties, and you put them on and rebreather for ten minutes and. They're perking right back up. So it's easy to just jump to that. It's very easy to jump to that. Oxygen fixes everything. (laughs) I'll I'll put my hand up. I know I've kind of been conditioned into, hey, if someone's breathing on their own, let sleeping dogs lie while I figure the rest of this shit out. Right. Which I think is a lot of... Especially because you you walk in and somebody's happening. That's easy. No question. Start bagging. Easy peasy. Right. Someone's breathing, especially at a rate of eight to twelve. That's still in the normal range, right? You know, so it's like. But yet now, now on on that same note, is it the same range on a different circumstance? If they're breathing on eight and it's an overdose, 
what do we do? We start breathing right for yeah. them. Right. Right? So we're conditioned to think in circumstances. Yeah. Right? They're breathing on their own on a respiratory patient. Maybe we let that go a little bit longer right. than we should. Um, and I think that's where this paramedic was. Maybe, and I, again, I'm just thinking out of the box here because right. I can maybe she can last a little bit longer while I get the neb, right. while I get the right. deck center. Right, because then you I know? don't have to beg. Then we'll fix the problem. We'll save the day. She'll breathe on her own. And right, she'll perk back up. Absolutely. Things are great. Right. Yeah. Everyone's happy, happy. Right. But now, boom. She went the other way. She went the other way. Respiratory rest. She's still pulsed yeah. at this point. And we have you... Bagger sitting upright in the same chair. Mm -hmm. You have moved to the stretcher, Bagger there, secure the airway there. This paramedic chose to go the EMT route. And what are we taught in New York State as EMTs? Move her to the ground. Move to the ground. Okay. Because what do you, you bag people on the ground, right? They're unresponsive. You move to the ground. Because that's what EMTs are taught nowadays. And that's where I the, the first thing that I want to start talking about is, yes, you're taught that, but is it appropriate in every situation? Cardiac arrest? Yes. Clearly appropriate. For this lady, she's got a CHF history. She's got rails in her lungs. Right? Rails equal fluid. They move her to the ground. They look at the monitor... The monitor literally goes from sinus tack at 140 to asystole. Nothing in between. Didn't Brady down. Didn't, you know, yeah. go through VTAC, v VFib. It was sinus tack in 120 to 140 yeah. to asystole. And that's like that one that you and I talked about, the one I had in uh, the county I worked at where, you know, I couldn't understand the guy was struggling to breathe, struggling to breathe. I, I literally just got there. Within three minutes of me getting there, I just turned to grab the oxygen tank. And I turned around, and he did the whole, you know, eyes roll back in the head. And um, we, I, I put him, I quick slap, you know, the uh, electrodes on him and uh, hooked everything up because at this place I was working by myself. Mm-hmm. So I wanted him hooked up to the monitor before anything else. And uh, as I turned to go get the oxygen tank, that's when I literally watched it. Same thing. Right to asystole. Do right. not pass go. Do not collect $200. And, and that was it. Yeah. So mm-hmm. what was what's interesting is I want to first do position because we're, we're thinking CHF, COPD, or that's their history. That's mm-hmm. the visible signs, right? They could have both, right? The, the fluid could be all the way up causing wheezing, causing a COPD uh, reaction, exacerbation, whatever you want to call it. And now you move all that fluid, right? She's, I'm sure, got fluid in her legs. She's got fluid in her arms. She's got fluid in her belly because she's a CHFer. That's but, what. I, that's where what fluid do. goes. Mm-hmm. But again, you, you know, I mean, you've also now, you, so I guess really if you think about it, and now the paramedic has the information working against him. Because now, oh, she's been without oxygen. She's, uh, you know, she's been out and about all day. Uh, she's COPD. Okay, she's breathing shallow. Oh, she's hypoxic. Mm-hmm. Oh, her blood pressure's in the toilet. Let's give her fluid. 
COPD, okay. CHF, blood pressure in the toilet. You know, I'm usually, you know, of the mindset I walk in and someone's flashing and, you know, their blood pressure is going to be, you know, 200 over 100, something like that. Well, and, and, and I would be under the same assumption. I think in this case, I would have to rebut in the fact of she's beyond just CHF exacerbation. I agree. She's failing. Right. She's, she's gone, done. We, we got there and she's already gone off the cliff. Right. This right. is this is cardiogenic shock at its finest. Agreed. Right? And being in the position that she's in, in the sitting up position where she is in the wheelchair, at least is keeping all of that fluid where in it's one spot. in one spot. Right. Now... Keep that, it controlled. Right. You're keeping it somewhat controlled. You move to the floor. Now all of that fluid rushes in as increased preload to the heart, which has already failed. What what you just caused asystole right there. Yeah. Right? You overstressed an already overstressed heart, boom done. Right. Right? So I think you're right on the money. Bag them right there. There is nothing that says that if you can position the airway, head tilt chin lift, yeah. directly over the back end of a chair. Right, just lean their head back. That's the perfect head tilt chin lift than you could get, and bag them right there until your resuscitation efforts make it so you can move them. Well, I'm even thinking about how we, you know, when we intubate someone in in the ambulance on the cot, you know, we got them up 45 degrees. They're not laid flat down. Well, at least I've I've learned not to do that. You know, but I like that nice 45 degree now because of the. uh, It really gives you a nice view. Oh yeah, and the oxygenation. You don't Mm -hmm. you don't lose. uh, They don't desat. Uh, as fast, but yeah, I mean, you think about how what I want to intubate somebody. I don't want them flat on their back, you know, with you know gravity pushing everything down against me. I want right. to be able to, you know, stand over them and go, hey, look, there it is. Well, and right, and that's you know, think about oxygenation in the in in the lungs. You know, when we're upright, that gravity is pulling down. Yep. It's not you know pushing against the chest wall. It's helping the chest wall expand. Mm-hmm. It's helping us get more air in, get more air out, and oxygenate better. But if we're laying down, now gravity's literally pushing down on your chest. Obese patients, you're not helping them breathe by laying them down. Hmm. She was obese, right? Like Uh most nursing home patients eventually get, you know? So you... In this situation, laying her down was the worst thing that the paramedic could have decided to do. I, I think bag her, even if you could RSI or an intubator in the chair, mm-hmm. I think that would have been a radical cool idea to do. You know? Um, because you are you can bag her for 12 minutes yeah. while that mm-hmm. second medic's getting there. Absolutely. Yeah. Right? You're you're staying and playing now. This isn't rush and go kind of thing. Right. So that's the first thing I want to touch base on. The second avenue I want to touch base on is the the thought process and the phenomena of hypoxia and sudden asystole with nothing prior. She's got a heartbeat and then boom, she is completely flatlined with no electricity. I heard this call, I came home, and I talked to my wife, and who 
for new listeners is uh, a flight nurse on one of the local helicopters here. And she's like, oh, yeah, that that's like that's legit. That's been studied. That happens in 95 percent of cases where hypoxia is the leading cause of cardiac arrest, mm. significant hypoxia, not just like hypoxia, but I'm talking like we were we were laughing the fuck ton right. of hypoxia, right? right? We're not right. at a we're not at a shit you know ton. shit we're ton. A we're the fuck ton here, right? <laughs> right? A fuck ton of hypoxia. We're going into real scientific terms here. Right. Um, when you're at that level of hypoxia, you just boom, yeah, asystole. And I was like, what? I've never. They didn't talk about that in medic school. No. They don't talk that about in and CMEs. It, it they don't my, talk about that in nothing. Yeah, when I when I had that the patient that did that on me, I, you know, I, same thing. I came and mm-hmm. I was like, I was sitting at the uh, the dinner table and we were talking and I said, "Yeah, this, this has got me scratching my head. I've never seen this before." I mean, it was just straight to you know flatline, and now you know I went from hey here's a non rebreather to oh crap now I'm you know throwing him to the floor and now we're doing the pushy pushy thing and. Uh, and yeah, she said the same thing. It was, uh, yeah. And it's actually a fault, uh, not a fault, but it's different in medic school because they tell you, like, you're going to see a change in rhythms. This right. is the natural progression to get to a systole. Right. right. But for hypoxia, all rules are thrown out the window. Right. Yeah. And and so I found I found a study, okay? Uh, and I want to read you a couple blurbs out of the study. So this was done, uh, the Journal of uh, Thoracic Disease back in May of 2018. So it's a fairly recent study. And there's a couple of pull quotes that I want to pull out of here. The first one is is PEA, right? Pulseless electrical activity, because this actually has uh, a lot to do with cardiac arrest versus non-cardiac arrest. So according to this study, they actually don't consider PEA cardiac arrest because there's still electrical activity happening within the heart, right? VTAC, VFib, asystole cardiac arrest <coughs> PEA not so much according to the study I thought that was really cool because it's an organized it's, it's VTAC an, VFib is disorganized not really doing anything for PEA you have an organized electrical activity right, right. and and literally you just took the pull quote right Sorry. out of my head so, <laughs> so it says currently there is no single uh, unifying available definition for PEA a report from the National Heart Lung and Blood Institute workshop defined PEA as a syndrome characterized by the absence of a palpable pulse in an unconscious patient with an organized electrical activity other than ventricular tachycardias on the ECG. Mm-hmm. So I thought that was an interesting uh, uh, concept here. All right, so the second pull quote here is, uh, there are several am- animal models of clinical death that progress to PEA and then asystole. Uh, normal carb... Uh, normocarbic hypoxia, hypercarbic hypoxia, anoxia, and rapid bleeding are the most frequently used. Interestingly, none of the animals in these studies entered VFib during the process. So I thought that was also interesting mm. here. Um, so last poll quote here is a common theme, and this is Gerard in our con- in the literal conversation we were just having yeah. off off uh, microphone here. A common theme in these models is that the brain and lungs often have ceased to function before vascular collapse. Results from global tissue hypoxia as residual oxygen is depleted. Think about six hours of residual oxygen depletion, right? Decompensation progresses over a period of minutes even after the pulse is lost. Even when vascular collapse is the primary event, brain and lung function stop next. 
The heart is the last organ to fail. The heart stops following PEA, but PEA is not cardiac arrest. Again, according to the study, they don't consider PEA cardiac arrest. The heart finally stops when it arrives at a systole, which is cardiac arrest. The process of decompensation is distinct from the etiology of the collapse. Many patients with heart disease as the etiology do not currently enter VFib in their dying process. So there's kind of the nuts and bolts of Mm. organized rhythm probably goes to PEA, but all we see is an organized rhythm. Right. Boom, asystole. Right. Without the VFib, VTAC. Because I'll tell you, knowing... Knowing this paramedic, having spoken to this paramedic after this call, this paramedic freaked out thinking they missed something. Right. Was there a time that this paramedic was not looking at the monitor that they could have been like, pads, shock, alive. Like, boom, fix the problem. Rise. Rise. Like, (laughs) but there was none. There was nothing. And I had the the same experience with my guy. You know, it was, it was that, you know, afterwards, you know, I think I even called you and then the next day I was over here, you know, having, uh, having dinner and I just couldn't stop talking about it. I'm like, I I missed something. What didn't I do? Yep. You know, I did something wrong. Yeah. You know, and, and I think for new providers, you know, old providers, most of us don't learn this. Most mm. of us don't know it. So it's really good information to have. So you're not freaking out like, oh, crap, what just happened? What did I miss? Right. right. But new providers now can go in and go, hey, I might see this. Here's how to react to it. So this is great information to have. So ultimately what happens is uh, cardiac arrest and lines started, epis are given, intubations done by the second paramedic who arrives um, you know, CPR with the, uh, with the automatic, you know, uh, CPR device is, is done the entire way of the hospital because it's witnessed the, the providers did choose to ride this into the hospital, which, you know, 14 mile drive. So mm-hmm. it's not very far, you know, 15, 20 minutes. And, um, ultimately, um, you know, Six epis were given, a bicarb was given, you know, the whole slew of AC, right. ACLS medications and uh, to a, you know, um, a sad outcome. But the the lessons in here, I think, are great knowing, you know, what we've already spoken about and that I think this is a great example of BLS before ALS. I, if you can narrow it down to one thing, it all started, I think, with the decision to go meds. We can right. fix yeah. this Instead of just with meds. But really, mm-hmm. we just needed a BLS airway management. Yeah. And Assistive then... Breathing yeah. until we can y- do our the, thing. The way it was explained yeah. to me... The, the level of unresponsiveness easily could have put in a nasal trumpet. Yep. Easily probably could have slid in an OPA. So you have your airway control, even right. if it's you know an NPA. Right. I love NPAs. I love them. 
I actually use them more than anything else. I like, use them too. way I more than NPA or OPA. Hospital or pre-hospital, yeah. I use NPA. I love more. them, yeah. especially for drunk college kids. Okay. They're the <laughs> best. Man, when I worked in the city, oh, and they'd be like, you'd be rubbing on their, you know, chest, wake up, wake up. All right, I'll give you five seconds. I'm going to shove a plastic tube up your nose. (laughs) As soon as you went in there and noticed me, oh, yeah, I'm fine. Stop it. Uh Uh-huh. Let's go. Oh, man, it'd be great. Every single weekend. But uh, (laughs) I digress. Oh, I had the same um, experience when I, when I worked at an agency with, with a uh, a large state university in its oh, coverage area. Oh, here's a cruel. Yep. That was great. Oh, it was great. It, it gave me my EMS jollies. Oh, that dark humor, oh, it was great. Gotta secure that airway. Here yep. you go. And and just think, that's what we thought about right. when we were EMTs. Right. And now right? it's like... And now it's paramedics. Meds. Let's go to meds. Let's right. go yeah. to meds. Right? Yeah. Yeah. BLS right. BLS before ALS. Yeah. I think if we take anything, position, yes, position's important. But we all know sitting around this table that 99% of providers, because we all suck, are going to move that person to the ground. Yeah. And, and yeah. I mean, honestly, you know, thinking about it, I mean, one of the things I used to, once I learned how to do it properly as an EMT, I couldn't wait to go to the class that I, that I used to teach and pass this on every class, you know, when we start doing, you know, airway and teaching them how to, uh, how to, you know, ventilate with BVM. And I'm like, okay, that's all fine and dandy when the person's unresponsive. Here's how you do it while the person's still awake and you're assisting their ventilation. Right. It's my favorite. And it's always the first thing they go, well, what, you can you can breathe with a BVM for someone who's still breathing on oh, their own? Oh, it's my favorite. Absolutely. Well, and that's it. Favorite thing and to here's teach. how you do it. And you I would, love teaching that. You and I. Yeah. In, 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 yep. I couldn't tell you how many students in your and I's class yeah. that I would give them a breathing on their own patient. Might not have been good breathing, right. but it was breathing. Non-rebreather, 15 liters. And it's BBM. That's what I'm looking for. Like you were close, but very far away. And you had touched on that earlier. Like if somebody has a respiratory effort, you don't necessarily want to take that away. Right. So let's help them. Right. Just because they're breathing on their own, maybe they need a little boost. Right. Maybe yeah. they need a little help. We could do that. Yep. I like I said. I think this is the prime example of BLS before ALS. And I yeah. think you know more paramedics need to think that way. Um, you know, hearing this call looking at the aftermath of this call, seeing the information on this call, you know, it made me sit there and go, okay, let's rethink the way I practice, you know. And and EMTs out there, don't be afraid to speak up. Right. You're you're an EMT. You've got a card for a reason. BLS before ALS, and I can't tell you how many ALS providers will forget their BLS. Hands down. I'm, I'm sitting right next to an EMT who... We'll, we'll have speak no problem and say, "Hey, <laughs> too much." I think we should do this. <laughs> I never would say it was <laughs> too much. You know, but even if you a thought pops into your mind, say it out loud because even if it makes the paramedic stop for five seconds to be like, mm, "Do I want to do that?" It's worth the five seconds yeah. to be like, "Maybe that's a great idea," or maybe, "Yeah, maybe not." Well, but it's a good idea. Yeah, Don't like, be afraid to speak up. Like and, I'm talking about the the you know, hey, the, the one I had. Oh, did you think about nasally intubating? I'm like. Fuck shit! No, I didn't. Why weren't you on the call with me? You would have freaking reminded me that I could do stuff I like was. that. And I was the one that reminded you after the call. No, I was on the call. Not the one with. 
I one hundred percent was there because it was. I oh, was it? Oh, yes, was I was. I was oh, the only was EMT us. there. No. Yes, I was. Stop shaking the table. <laughs> I'm sorry. I'm, I'm getting my. Physical. I know you are. Like I was saying, <laughs> a good EMT should speak up and have that relationship with their partner. That hey, you know, I don't have to sit here and just wait for orders. You know, if I think I need to bag this patient because I've been trained and I know what, you know, signs and symptoms and all that good stuff, I can say, hey, partner, you want me to start bagging? Or and get it out and say, hey, I'm going to start bagging. Right, I'm going to start bagging. Right, absolutely. Yeah. It's not just the ALS provider's decision. When you have a patient and you're with an ALS provider, there's an EMT and a paramedic, both of you guys are responsible for that patient. Right. So take that responsibility, like run absolutely. with it. There's and, a lot that you can do. And the and sad part is... a paramedic, I'm not going to... Well, I know me personally, I'm not going to, you know, berate an EMT that does something like that or, you know, unless it's something, you know, completely absurd and outrageous like, hey, maybe you should use a denizine but on even that, you know, <laughs> decompensation patient there. But no, uh, <laughs> I digress. No, but yeah, I mean, if an EMT says, hey, I'm going to start bagging and goes to the BBM, I'm just be like... Okay, it seems reasonable. Yeah, fine, do it. And I know yeah. not everybody works at the same places that we do. I get it. Not all medics are created equal. Who cares if they snap at you? Take yeah. care of your patient because that's, that's what true. we're all here for. I don't care if somebody's pissed at me. I don't care if they call me a retard behind my back. I don't care. My yeah. patient's doing okay. And and sadly, though, that's, that's a lost <clears throat> feeling. Like, yes. you have that. You have the confidence inside of your EMT skills mm. to sit there and be like, paramedic, no. Right. Right. This is what we're doing. No. Right? right? You're not doing that. We are doing this. You're taking this in ALS. Right. This right. is what we're doing. Most don't have that. Right. And that's the sad it's part. Been, because it's been, it's been it, beat out of them. Well, and, and yeah. I don't even think it's beat they're out of them. They're not confident enough think, in their education. Or they're not. They just don't know. I think know. it starts with the education. Yeah, yeah. I agree. You and I teach EMTs. Right. right? We teach our EMTs to be above and beyond Absolutely. the standard Right, they have that confidence to sit there and argue with a paramedic and go, "Listen, I don't think we need to do this. Like, let's right. not move them to the floor. I know you've been taught for twenty five years to move them to the floor, but I don't think we should in this case. Right. They're not willing. the The vast majority of students that come out and EMTs that are five, seven, ten years in the into the business do not have the confidence." Because they weren't taught that. Yep. No agency wants that. Right. And most par- like I've worked at agencies where paramedics literally treat them as like dirt. He- yeah. Not even dirt. Lower than dirt. Yeah. Here's the clipboard. Get me. Right. Get but me it shit. also ties into and where we practice and your EMTs are different. Your classes. So I'm not speaking to yours, right, but like right. where I did my EMT, it's. Oh, well, if you're over your head, call for a medic. Oh, well, you're going to do this, call for ALS, call for ALS. I don't need ALS. I can take care of my own patient. Having the ALS modalities and their their advanced skills are great, but that doesn't mean, you know, a medic shows up to the scene with me on an agency that I ride BLS. That doesn't mean my job stops because they're there. There's so much that I can do that needs to be done, and I don't care who the medic is. That's one thing I always tell my students when they leave class, when they get their cards, like, hey, look, I just got my card. It came in the mail. I'm like, great. Excuse me. So the phrase I never want to hear you ever utter is, I'm just an EMT. Right. I start, what do I start my class with? Day one, I introduce myself. I say, this is the goal of the class. 
And then I literally, the first slide. We suck. No, that's the second slide. <laughs> and typically, I so there is a we all suck oh, I know slide. <laughs> it's in airway. Right. <laughs> it's yeah, in my fact. airway chapter. Fact. <laughs> um, but I literally put in there, you know, what I asked them, what's an EMT? What is an EMT good for? Those are the first two questions I ask. Mm-hmm. And they always, you know, give me all these, you know, half-witted answers because they're brand new. They don't really know what right. an EMT right. is. What is one? Right? And I and from day one, I'm like, everything you do, everything at the BLS level saves lives. It's true. Airway management saves lives. CPR saves lives. Every, assistance, every single medication that BLS providers give literally fundamentally saves lives. Epinephrine, glucose, albuterol, all save lives. The things you and I come with, like Haldol, it doesn't save lives. It makes our job easier. Right. You know, but it doesn't save a life. Right. There are certain things that we carry that do save lives. The whole BLS drug box and their whole education is geared to first aid save lives. Yeah, in fact, I'll never forget, we were just talking about that uh, that one old timer that I used to ride with uh, at that agency I worked at. Um, yeah, it's so weird speaking in that weird because I can't use any names. You know that or, guy, you know, that, that, that guy thing, uh, that thing that time, that you know? one time, you know, in the back alley at band camp. <laughs> you know, I need the money. And, <laughs> <laughs> but uh, but no, we were just talking about uh, uh, someone I used to work with, and uh, and he was old school, like Cadillac ambulance, old school. All right, love and, it. Yeah, and, and, and he. Said something to me, and we were we were talking about you know cardiac drugs and whatnot when I was going through uh, through school, and he's like, "Drug, you know, there's only one drug you carry that is proven, one hundred percent, the only one that actually has any bearing on whether or not your your patient is going to survive a heart attack or not." And I'm like. Amiodarone, uh, you know, freaking lidocaine, you know, all the, I'm Oxygen. going down all oxygen. Nope. Aspirin. Aspirin. Yep. Guess what? EMTs give aspirin. Mm -hmm. And that's it. You know, and that is literally from day one. That is exactly what I teach the EMTs is listen, what we teach you here can and will save lives. Paramedics don't need to do anything. I mean, they do stuff. They do cool stuff. But is it necessary? Mm -hmm. Sometimes, sometimes not. And and we're going to, you would be a great guest for, please for the for the episode him and i were talking about last please. night yes um and i it, i, I want to start wrapping up because we're going to go down the rabbit hole and we could talk <laughs> for know. six hours so i i think we learned a lot from this call um you know the one thing i want to so the last thing i want to touch on because i think this is important we talk a lot about bls and emts But the one thing that I told you guys at the beginning of this review was this is a brand new paramedic. Mm -hmm. How much do you think that weighed on the decisions that were made? This is a paramedic that is 
you know, overall has been in the business for over five years at that point, did his internship at a, you know, busy, you know, busy agency, got lots of calls, Mm -hmm. passed medic school with no issues and is on the road by himself for three months. How much of that do you think weighed in? Here's what I want to ask you, though. If you take, because you had said that this partner that was with this EMT or with this medic was an EMT for 10 years and they had worked together before. Mm Mm-hmm. EMS is a team sport. So do you fault the EMT for not speaking up? I mean, for what we targeted that we could have done better in this call were BLS skills. Right. So do we take it as a whole and say, why didn't the EMT speak up? I mean, I think that's a part of it. I think so. You know? um, I think it's, I would never put, you know, if I get a new medic with me, it's a team sport. So if we make a mistake, it's about both of us. Mm Mm-hmm. So, you know, that medic that's been a medic for Again, three months most and 10 years. <laughs> but if I have, you know, if it's me and you, we have 13 years experience. It's not, oh, I have three and you have 10. Right. It's 13 years experience. Like right. that, your decisions are as much mine as my decisions are yours. Like the, it's a team sport. Right. Yeah. And I think more people have to see it that way. Yeah. Because a lot of people don't see it that way. And a lot, right. If the medic is making a decision and you don't agree with it or you think something's different, speak up. Because like... I could have just as easily been on that call and said, let's get him on the stretcher. Mm-hmm. Would he have been laying flat? No. Would right. he have been like, sitting up in a chair? No. So we're somewhere in between, but that would have been our decision. You right. decided to move him to the ground. He, like that EMT could have stopped that. Yep. Or just even made a comment about it. Right. Yeah. Or like, like we talked about, you know, even in the beginning, just, hey, I'm going to start bagging this patient. Right. She needs to be bagged. Yeah. And and that goes back to, you know, be confident enough in your own skills and knowledge to sit there and be like, especially I think it, you know, it works better if you and I are working together every Saturday for the last five years. We know how each other thinks and ticks and, you know, whatever. But a lot of agencies, you have a new partner every shift, oh, yeah. Right. Yeah. you know, yeah, and, and that's just the way it plays out. Right. Yeah. So that's even harder to get it that is. rhythm. And you really have to be vocal. Like I love you and I have conversations on scenes all the time. I'll oh, sit yeah. there and be like, hey, Emily, what are you thinking? Yep. And you'll be like this, this and this. And I'm like, OK, I know. And I'm like, <laughs> not quite hey, like Emily, that. Find me a vein. <laughs> 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 oh, yeah, right there. I'm like, I don't see anything. No, it's right there. Okay. I'm going to trust you oh, on look, this. Oh, it was right there. <laughs> All right. Look at me. I'm a superhero. Um, you know, so can you just clone yourself? <laughs> I, I have. Fun story. I'm a twin. That is true. Yeah, I've already but, cloned myself. Yeah. Talk the clones. Watch out. Oh, the clones. Watch out. Wars. Watch out. <laughs> we might have to pay royalties for saying that. <laughs> All right. All right, guys. Well, I hope you uh, enjoyed this this lengthy episode, but there was a lot of information, a lot of good information, especially for those, you know, new inexperienced providers, both EMTs, paramedics, and the experienced providers that need to rethink BLS before ALS. Take care, stay safe, and we'll see you next month. Thank you for taking time to listen to the Medic Materials Podcast. If you got anything out of today's episode, be sure to follow the podcast. If you want to be a part of our daily EMS discussions, join the Medic Materials EMS Education Group on Facebook. And be sure to watch our weekly instructional videos on the Medic Materials YouTube channel.